evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. It is Monday, April 2nd, 2023. Welcome to episode 523 of Trek Talking. This is our special Star Trek Picard mid-season review, and that's why we played the Star Trek Picard season three theme song to start off the podcast. We're going to be talking about the ups and downs of the first five episodes so far, and just let me start off by saying one of the tremendous ups, one of the things that just blows me away with Picard so far, we just heard an example of it, and that's the soundtrack. They scored this absolutely beautifully, and I just, every episode is just, all the music hits the right notes, the right feels, it's phenomenal, phenomenal. But before we get too far, I would like to introduce to you guys my Trek Spurs. We'll start off with Eric. Eric is out in Portland. How are you doing tonight, Eric? I'm doing very well. Thanks, man. I, uh, I'm super excited. We're, uh, we're already diving into the second half of the season in real time, but I'm excited to review this first half because there's a lot of, uh, a lot of reveals, a lot of things, a lot of cards kept hidden, which I think are now starting to be revealed. So uh, I'm excited to talk about that. Yeah, I think so, too. And we also have from Portland as well our very own donut guy, David, who forgot the donuts, but that's okay. How are you doing tonight, David? I'm doing okay. That's good. You ready for some truck talking? Yeah. Yeah, okay. And we have with us, as always, from Las Vegas, our very own Charles. How are you doing, Charles? I'm doing good. This is this is one series I have been floored by the number of ideas people have, theories, what they think is happening. Yeah, you know, the last time that I can recall us having so much fun talking about Star Trek was season one of Discovery trying to figure out the Lorca angle. And uh, <laughs> I think that, you know, that's well, what Well, I mean, you know, you're, you're not wrong, Jim, in that, like, this season is revealing a great mystery, which I feel like the Lorca thing definitely started in the Discovery era. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was absolutely great. So we're going to be talking about episodes one through five uh, tonight, guys. So if you'd like to call, you can let your fingers do the walk and then call Truck Talk. And right now we'll be live for the next hour. 646-668-2433 is our studio line, and we'll get you right on the air. We'd love to hear your opinions. So before we dive too far, every week on our Facebook page, we ask you guys to score each episode on a scale of 1 to 10. And Star Trek Picard Season 1, Episode 1 through 5, which are the ones we're talking about tonight, if you tally up the scores from all of you guys on our Facebook page, the half, first half of Picard scored 9.2. Okay, let that, let that sink in. Five episodes, 9.2. You wow. know, Jim, if you, were to, if you were to kind of provide a comparison to that and go back to Strange New Worlds, um, I didn't do a first five episodes calculation, but I can tell you that the overall score for the uh, show was 9.0. So, 
you know, first half of Picard is outperforming Strange New Worlds, which I think is pretty impressive. Yeah, it is quite impressive. So that's what we're going to be talking about, actually, the first five episodes, which you guys scored 9.2. So we're going to talk about right now um, episode 301, which was entitled The Next Generation. So what I did is I went back today and I watched all five of those episodes. <laughs> because I want to have a fresh in my mind. And Jim, you're amazing. <laughs> Where do you find the well, time, buddy? <laughs> well, the, my wife had to go up. She wasn't feeling well. We went to the emergency room. I ended up taking today off. So I, hmm. while she was in bed, uh, I just said, what am I going to do? Let's get ready for the show and rewatch Picard. So I did. So um, basically, I, I have a, a, we could talk about anything we want, but I did pull some things out. We're going to talk about things we liked and things we didn't. But with a 9.2, there's not going to be much that we didn't like, but I'm sure there'll be something. And what I did is I pulled out some of the things that caught me um, when I went back to rewatch them. So episode 301, The Next Generation, the first thing that I wanted to mention was, you know, Beverly kicks ass in that first episode. I mean, she's like Ripley from Aliens, blowing away Aliens. <laughs> well, now. come on now. You know, I mean, come on. <laughs> you know, no, pretty close. Pretty close, yeah. <laughs> really, to see Beverly with a phaser rifle just, just kicking ass was completely, it was like a total turn for what we were used to seeing this character do. And uh, I, I, for me personally, anytime we see a strong uh, female character, especially someone like Beverly, who's always been like the motherly nurturing type. Uh, you know, in this case, she was like, like a mama bear defending her cub. And I just, I just love that. The, w- w- the way that episode starts out with Beverly, you know, kicking some ass. Um, yeah. I mean, if you want to talk about like strong female characters um, and this was not her featured episode, but certainly we bring Laris into the story right away here, and I have to tell you that I am still hoping that by the end of the season we'll maybe get a return to Laris because, to me, she has the potential to have the most kind of lasting impact on Picard as a relationship, right? We've seen relationships come and go with Picard here and there. You know, we had Vash, we had Anaj, we had a few others here and there. And each one has kind of seemed to touch him in different ways. But to me, one of the great things about season three is that right here in episode one, they set up Laris as um, as kind of a an important part of his current life, right? His not not just his past but, and not just a window in time, but like central to what's happening in this season in some ways, you know, before he gets started on his adventure. So I really dug that. The, the fact that they didn't write her out, that they, they remembered her and put her in there was, was great. That was, Because she's a great character. She's a strong character. And she kind of whipped the card into shape there a couple of times. Well, she does. She does. And I so, think that we're finding throughout this season, like the, it's the people like Picard is still proceeding throughout this entire season with his usual um, bravado and hubris. Like he's, he's just like, he's kind of like just going forward no matter what happens. And it is these people along the way, like Laris um, and like some of these other characters that we're talking about who have kind of, you know, 
giving him a little smack along the way that kind of wakes him up to reality and kind of brings him back to what is actually happening. And so, yeah, Laris is is instrumental in that. And she's a Romulan, and we and she's a Romulan, so, and she's just right. she's so beautiful too. I mean, she's just such a beautiful actress, just such a beautiful Oral woman Brady. On, on screen. Yeah, I mean, she's just great. I love her. I mean, the Romulans, are, I think, one of the most one of my favorite characters that they introduced on DS Nine was to rule, and they killed her off in the first episode. I mean, every time we see an interesting <laughs> Romulan, they evaporate, or we never see them again. So well, okay, okay. Okay, Jim, uh, but let's talk about one of the great things that comes out of Nemesis, right? We get Denatra, so people poo-poo yeah, Nemesis, but we get Denatra. And she disappears, and she too. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I, just, I love Laris because she's a great Romulan, and we have so few of them. So kudos on remembering Laris and, and writing her in. And she's very prominently featured in the first, like, seven minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, or so mm-hmm. of the episode. This episode, yeah. Later great. episode, she gets a little more time. Yeah, you know, she's she's great. So kudos to them on Laris. Um, I would be remiss if we didn't mention Captain Shaw. Now we're talking about the first episode here, and so we're, we're I'm trying to keep these things in context <sighs> yeah. because when we meet Captain Shaw, he's a little bit abrasive and he's a little bit disrespectful and he's just he's just a guy that we just he's like a captain jellico he's like the evil admiral of the episode like, <laughs> we want to just, just shoot him out the airlock because we just like what is his problem you know uh, well he, you know jim i actually think that like the the shaw jellico comparison is pretty fair because i feel like when you know when jellico comes on everybody hates him because he's not Picard, and he's just kind of got a vision for what the ship should look like and how people should respond. I mean, he's going to go from freaking eight-hour shifts to six-hour shifts, right? And and it just disrupts everything, but he has a vision for how he wants to run things. And I feel like Shaw is not un, unlike that, you know? He comes on the show. I mean, we'll talk a little bit more about where his character goes, but he definitely starts out as pretty abrasive feeling, but kind of not without reason we come to find out in later episodes. Yeah, we'll talk about him a, yeah. a lot more later, but we're talking mm-hmm. about first meeting him, and he has a dinner party. He invites Riker and Picard. <laughs> he starts no. eating before they even get there. <laughs> He's dipping his steak sauce in blood. Uh, Picard yeah. brings him along. He won't drink it. He's a malt guy. He doesn't like the jazz. He deleted all the jazz from the computer. Uh, he's more of a blues kind of guy. Uh, he's disrespectful to seven of nine. And, you know, he's just very abrasive in that first episode when we meet him. Uh, but, you know, <clears throat> bear that in mind because we're going to talk about Shaw a lot more later. So when we first meet him, he's a very different character than what he will become later, which I think is done by design, you know. And mm-hmm. let's not forget about seven. Seven is put in a very difficult situation here. Um, and that is, first of all, you know, Shaw insists that she refer to herself as Commander Hansen and not Seven. Um, so that's a bit, uh, that's another issue altogether. It's a, it's a seven, gigantic issue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> an issue that we're going to get to later. 
As I said, we're trying to separate these into episodes. Uh, so she, she's, she's being disrespected at every turn, and she is put in a difficult spot. And she turns around and decides to put her career on the line and help Picard and Riker, which she does. Um, she tells them that in exactly four minutes, there's going to be a free shuttle and the guy is going to be called away in exactly four minutes. And so she helps them get the shuttle. She violates Shaw's orders and brings them to sector, whatever it was, zero, zero, one, whatever it was, and violates his orders and gets demoted. Well, not demoted, but um, she gets busted and sent to her quarters and, you know, disinstated, uh, um, relieved of command, basically. Um, so, you know, there's a lot going on in the first episode. Um, there, there is a, a character that we get to meet in the very beginning, um, Sydney Crash LaForge, who I think is one of the highlights of this series. We find out that Jordy LaForge has a daughter. She's a pilot, the Titan. And apparently Riker knew her at the Academy because she crashed a shuttle and she has this whole conversation with Riker on the bridge, and we find out a little bit about her backstory and why she chose to become a pilot and not an engineer like her father. And uh, the episode goes on. So in a nutshell, uh, that is the, that's episode one, The Next Generation. As I already said, the music, I can't say a good, how good the soundtrack is. For Picard, and this episode is no exception. Uh, so, does anybody else want to say anything about episode one, the next well, generation? Well, we we meet a unknown character in that episode. In that episode, also. Yes, we do. By the name of Jack. Which we're why well, is he yeah. traveling with Beverly? Right, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get to that in the next episode here. Well, no, we saw him in episode one though. We did. We did. We did, we, we we did, did. see him in episode yeah. one. Yes, we it's did. okay to say yeah. that. Yeah, we can say that. I'm I'm trying to I, I, I'm trying to separate him into episodes. So uh, yes, we do meet him in that episode. Absolutely right. But the, also the we meet another character. The unknown okay. character that we've seen in two separate locations in episode one. That, that's true. We, see, we, we, we meet a character who's spying on Picard in the bar in the beginning, and he also coincidentally happens to be an officer on the Titan, and Picard walks up to him when they do their fake inspection and straightens out his comm badge. And it's the same character that we see twice, which draws suspicion. I wonder who he is. Why are they showing this guy? I don't know, but my main question are are the antagonist uh, people of the show, are they ticklish? Because when he trading that out, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that guy has a real smirk on combat. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so episode one basically wraps up with, you know, we, we get to meet Jack. He's on on the ship, Beverly's in stasis, you know, and um, the, the the Titan has been alerted, and that's the season, or not season one, of episode one. Um, 
9.2 is the average fan score from our fans, so they loved it. Um, you guys have anything negative? Did you notice anything you didn't like about episode one? Hmm. I mean, I, you know, I really well, didn't find we, anything. We did learn, not negative, but it was interesting because we realized that Beverly used a rifle, a phaser rifle. And she wasn't setting it at stun. We were rather surprised where she disintegrated these 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 creatures. Yeah. And so that was interesting because she could actually disintegrate them completely. Well, considering her backstory with being hunted, I can imagine she's, like, having enough of this, and she's just like, okay, we're going to end this here now. <laughs> well, I don't want to – I, I want to try to stick to these five episodes, but we learn out – we learn why that is in episode seven, so I, I don't want to get into that here right now. I want to try to stick to these five, but there is a reason why that happened. We don't know it yet. So we're going to pretend we don't because we're only talking about mm-hmm. these first five. But I, I was sucked into this episode and totally engaged and wanted more after I saw it. I, it was that good. I felt. Yes. And I didn't. I didn't mind rewatching it again. <laughs> so before we move on to the next episode, does anybody want to add anything to this episode? Anything you liked or noticed that? You want to mention? Yeah, I'm. I'm been a while since I've seen it. It's, it's, uh... Oh, uh, definitely. <clears throat> the first episode, a lot of dad jokes from Riker. Yeah, Riker, Riker, and Picard have a really good rapport in this in this particular episode. When 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 it starts, um, they're in the bar together and. Uh, we get a lot of references to the Borg and Wolf 359 and Locutus. Um, yeah, Riker, Riker is uh, and Picard have something going on. And, and, and in particularly in this particular episode when they're at the bar, Picard says to Riker, well, you know, Troy let you leave. And Riker says, well, Troy and Kestra wanted to get away from me as much as I wanted to get away from them, which drops a little bit of a surprise on us because last time we saw them was on the Pente and they seemed very, very happy, but we're going to find out a little bit later that that wasn't entirely the case. Uh, So Riker drops that little dime in this particular episode and gets us thinking. Okay. So that brings us up to episode 302 disengage. And again, this was another uh, wow episode. I I just, uh, yeah. So uh, in my rewatch, there was a couple of things that, that caught my eye that I wanted to mention particularly. The first thing is Vatic throws a ship at the Titan. Wow. I mean, like, really? Uh, yeah, really. She throws a ship at them. And, of course, mm-hmm. uh, Sydney goes off into her, her LaForge explanation and explains to Captain Shaw how that could happen and what causes it, blah, 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 blah. Just showing how intelligent she really, really is um, that Vatic throws a ship at them. And that's just, 
You're not used to seeing ships thrown at other ships on Star Trek. So when it actually happened, it's, it's like, did she just throw a ship at them? Yeah, she did. <laughs> she did. She threw a ship at them. I um, keep thinking there was another incident somewhere where a ship was, uh, like, being dragged towards another ship, but they never really made contact, I don't think. But I kept thinking there was something in the franchise somewhere, a different series that that happened once before. Well, I mean, well, if you get strictly into the, like, if you're, if you're a real science geek, if you're a physics geek, and you get into how tractor beams and that kind of stuff are supposed to work, um, it, it helps that the, show, the, the ship that was thrown was quite a bit smaller than the ship that threw it, because from a like, mass standpoint, you need something of a bigger mass throwing something of a smaller mass in space. Otherwise, the two things are just going to go away from each other at equal rates, or the thing that threw it is actually going to go away at a faster rate so yeah it was like we've never seen anything like that and it worked because of that the one that worked a little bit less only because we don't know the mass of the rock that was thrown is what the titan did later but we'll talk about that later we definitely (laughs) will get to that now there was one instance uh, in star trek the next generation the very first episode the naked now where wesley builds the repulsor beam and they throw the uss stilkowski at the asteroid, which pushes the Enterprise away. But that wasn't throwing a ship at a ship. That was a ship pushing another ship towards an asteroid. Well, hmm. that demonstrates what I was talking about, because they weren't trying to move the ship that they threw. They were trying to move the ship that threw the ship. So Yes, a little bit different, but... A little different. A little different, but similar. So in this particular episode, now we're going to talk about Jack. Because in this particular episode, as soon as Riker meets Jack, Riker knows right away that Jack is Picard's son. And he's, he's saying to Picard, don't you see it? Do you see what I see? You don't see the resemblance. Come on, you've got to see it. And Picard just doesn't want, he, you know, does the will stop jumping to conclusions. Riker keeps pushing him and saying, come on, Jean-Luc, you, you've got to know. And... Jean-Luc just either either he knows and doesn't want to accept it or he just doesn't want to deal with it but he's he, he's he's not very open to that particular um, situation yet um, well so, and Jim if we I know you're just sort of reading through your list but if I can just break in real quick here and say that in that moment with the first time that I saw it I wasn't sure who Riker was talking about I wasn't sure if he meant that it was Picard's son or it was somebody else's. Like it wasn't, it's easy to kind of go back and watch it a second time and say that, you know, immediately who he's talking about. But I think the first time you see it, it's not absolutely clear that he's referring to Picard, Picard as the guy who he suspects as the, the kid's father, right? Well, it become, it, it's, it's about to become very obvious in a moment. Uh, but, but while this is going on, Captain Shaw decides to turn Jack over to the terrorists, and he's completely ready to do it, and he's going to do it. And so he gives Picard, like, I forgot how long it was, like eight minutes or 17 minutes or something. So Picard goes down and interrogates Jack, which is a really um, intense scene because as they're going on, and, and Picard asks Jack point blank, Who's your father? 
and Jack doesn't answer. Uh, so, you know, right away we're left with some ambiguity here. It's like, well, is he, isn't he, uh, you know, what's really going on? And they, they're not clear about it at that point either. Um, so Picard, you know, leaves him in his cell and goes off to talk to, uh, to Shaw about it. And then, then we have the ultimate moment in this episode, my favorite moment, one of the moments why, why I gave this episode a 10, and Rafi is under, she's doing an investigation for Starfleet Command, and she's going to go hook up with Sneed, and uh, she's discovered, and we hear the Klingon song playing in the background, and uh, what happens? Well, a Klingon shows up, kills everybody, and beheads Sneed. And awesome scene. He rescues Rafi, and uh, the camera pans up, and we see a gray-haired dwarf carrying her out uh, to the Klingon attack scene from Star Trek, the motion picture. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Wow. That was the moment right there for me that, that sealed this episode for me. Loved it, loved it, loved it. That sounds like um, a triple. That's a triple. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and and this would bring this would bring up well, I'll get to that in the next episode. So anyways, that's where we where we see Worf and Rafi together for the first time is in this episode. And um and then we get we get more concrete evidence of what I think is one of the one of the best scenes between Picard and Beverly up to this point. Uh, Beverly is being healed in sick bay. Vatic is attacking the ship. She's going to kill everybody. Blah, 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 blah. All this stuff is going on. Riker goes down to sick bay, wakes up Beverly, brings her to the bridge, and tells Beverly, tell him. And we have a long scene of, of, of about two minutes where there's no words exchanged. Nothing is said. Beverly's looking at Picard. Picard is looking at Beverly. They're asking questions with their eyes. She answers the questions with her eyes. He kind of looks down and, and kind of closes his eyes and kind of shakes his head. And at that point, he knows that Jack is his son. And they didn't say a word. And that, and that, that scene, I thought, was just played outstandingly wonderfully by both Patrick and Gates because they're so familiar with each other. And that's when uh, Captain Shaw has a change of his mind, and he says, I can't turn over Picard's son, raise the shield, let's warp out of here. And, and Shaw starts, starts at this point to maybe turn the corner. Maybe, maybe. We're still in, we're still in episode two now. Uh, he's still rough around the edges, um, but he starts to make a little bit of a turn, I think. So that is episode two in a nutshell. What, what you guys want to add anything or say anything about episode two? Um, well, Jim, Jim, I'll, uh, I'll say that I didn't rewatch all these episodes like you did. So I'm not necessarily able to separate it into what, what happened in episode one, what happened in episode two, but I will say that in the early part of the season, one of the things that I liked that I know, not everybody liked was that um, Rafi had her own storyline and that uh, her storyline 
had a little bit of mystery to it. Um, you didn't know at first uh, whether she was kind of succumbing to her old habits or whether she was going to, you know, be part of an intelligence something or other as she had been in season one, especially in the, in the, the backflashes in season one. So I thought it was really cool. We haven't really talked about Rafi at all. I liked how early in the season she had these moments pre-Wharf where she was already in that world and um, already struggling with, with some of that stuff. And then, of course, when Wharf comes in, um, the, the story continues. But I didn't want to go too far past um, what we're talking about here before we talk about Rafi just a little bit. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get to Rafi uh, in a second here. We're gonna get we're gonna be getting into Rafi, uh, actually. So, yeah, so that was but our we that also, episode. Yeah, we ahead, also Charles. get we also get Shaw, which kind of worries us because <coughs> Seven would like to go say Picard. And Shaw's like, they're out of our jurisdiction. We're not going to do anything. And take some convincing to actually get him to jump in there. And in the process, he starts dealing with the entity. And he kind of wants to understand. He is not as much interested about saving Picard and Riker as much as okay, I've got this other ship that's trying to depose us. And I guess I have to deal with them. Right, and that and that other ship is very heavily armed, too. Yes. You know, that, that other ship is very heavily armed. So uh, that brings us up to anybody else? Charles, or... David, anybody want to say anything about that episode? Well, I can say one thing I didn't like that I kind of remembered was the uh, the whole incident where um, the uh, the Titan ended up running into that tractor beam and cutting it off. And I was like, how did that work? So it kind of threw me off a little bit about like, you know, I mean, a matter hitting a non-matter beam just kind of like interrupts it. It's like, that doesn't make sense to me, but yeah, that's really the only thing I can really remember from that episode that I can really think of at the moment. <laughs> yeah, that was that was interesting. There was a lot going on in there, and again, the soundtrack was very Wrath of Khan. E, you know, it was very very Wrath of Khan. I thought, uh, which was great. I thought they really got that James Horner sound really well. And this brings us up to an episode entitled. 17 seconds and uh this i was this one was really good we have a we have a scene which where Riker and picard are at the bar talking and about the birth of Riker's first son thad who we find out dies and they de-aged patrick stewart and jonathan frakes with their de-aging and the reason why the episode is entitled 17 seconds is because when Riker gets the call to get down to sick bay, it takes him 17 seconds to get there. And it seemed like an eternity. And he has this whole conversation with, with Picard about maybe one day you'll get to have, know what it feels like to have a son of your own and a, 
and a child, and, and, he, and he, he's really pouring himself out to Patrick, and then they get a communique from Deanna Troy. Basically, get your ass back here. Your kid's throwing up all over the place, and, and uh, he has to go back to the Titans. Really nice scene, a nice little interaction between Riker and Picard um, at the birth of Thad, which was really, really awesome. And then we come, we come back to modern, we come back from the today, and we have a really awesome scene where uh, Sidney LaForge goes down to Seven's quarters and tells her a story about how Seven is really the, her, her only real friend and that she has trouble making friends. And it's a really heartwarming conversation that they have. And at the end of the conversation, she refers to her as what does she call her? What is what? Is, what does she call her, Eric? Commander Seven. She calls Commander her Seven. Yeah. Yes, she looks at her and she calls her Commander Seven, and then kind of turns and walks away. And that and the fact that she refers to her as Commander Seven um, is going to be relevant a little bit later. But right now, um, she refers to her as Commander Seven and not Commander Hanson because she's she's confined to her quarters because she's been um, relieved of duty. And then then we get this conversation, this long overdue conversation. Beverly's down in sick bay helping out with the injured people. And Riker sends the card in to talk with her, to have the talk. And they have the talk. And it's a great talk, uh, Beverly explaining why she didn't tell Picard and Picard explaining why he wanted, he should have been told, he should have been part of it, it was his decision. How different would things have been if you had included me? And It's a really, really good, good conversation between the two of them. In fact, it's outstanding, I, I, I got to say. And we learn a lot about Beverly. We learn a lot about a Picard, a lot of the what ifs. What if this had been? What if that had been? Um, really, really good stuff. Really well written. Really well acted. Um, and then we get to another another scene that <laughs> made me give it a 10. And this is beheadings are on Wednesday. Oh, my God, did I lose it when Worf said that. So Rafi wakes up and uh, Worf is on the ship and he's doing his, uh, what is he, jiu-jitsu, what does he call it? He's doing some samurai stuff. I forgot what he calls it. But he's doing his, his thing and uh, Rafi comes up and with the gun, he, of course, disarms her rather quickly and says, I made some chamomile tea. Do you take sugar? Um, and this is our introduction to the Warp and Rafi thing. And the two of them just hit it off so perfectly. It's like it's crying out for a Warp and Rafi show. They really have a great rapport together, these two characters, and the two actors as well. Um, you know, especially when, when Warp makes that, that remark, beheadings are on Wednesday. I think that's as good as I am not a merry man from TNG. Mm-hmm. Um and so that pretty much wraps up the episode 17 seconds in a nutshell. And again, I'm just trying to hit on the high points. If you guys 
kind of something else that you wanted to uh, mention, please jump in. Yeah, you missed a big thing in there, too, was Seven and Jack figure out how is the ship, how is Vatic tracking us? Hmm. And they realize that there is a leak that's leaving a trail. And they go down, they knock out Seven's uh, security guard, go down and find the leak while she's while Seven's checking another leak, Jack gets attacked. And from there we realize something's wrong because the being that they find transforms as Jack hits him. And we start to realize there's a changeling here. Yes, and Jack and, and Jack has the vision. Who interrogates this guy, and we find out he's a changeling. And they realize the changelings are involved. Yes, this is the this is the first hint, and and I you also hear this voice talking to Jack, saying, "Reconnect us, come back to us." And um, he sees this red door, um, and we don't know what it is, and we still don't know what it is. And yeah, that that was that was pretty yeah. uh, pretty intense. Uh, I actually have a theory about why Jack is seeing a red door now, um, since he is the biological son of Picard, and he had. Uh, we later find out, of course, he had this syndrome. I can't remember what it was called, but. I'm curious if some of memories from Picard got transferred over to Jack and now he's just as confused as anyone else is why he's seen a red door and it has something to do with Picard's past, I'm wondering. That's totally possible. At this stage of the game, anything is possible. Yeah, that, so this this brings us up to uh, an episode entitled No Win Scenario. And this is an interesting one because in this episode, Riker has a conversation with Picard, and he says, and he says to Picard, this is the end, my friend. And he tells Picard the story about watching Thad's uh, uh, casket be lowered into the ground was the darkest moment, and he lost all faith. And he didn't believe in anything. Deanna Troy was feeling feeling this darkness in him, and it wasn't fair for her. And that's why he left. And that was that was a really great scene. But then it goes down to ten forward to talk to Jack and Eric. Eric, what does the dipshit from from Chicago tell Picard and Jack? Oh man, he does probably one of the best performances of the season so far for me um, in that he tells a story about the Battle of Wolf 359, where, of course, Locutus, a la Picard, um, 
destroyed 40-something ships and thousands of people, and among them being, uh, I believe, upwards of 20 people or so that um, that Shaw knew. Not only that, not only did he lose people he knew, but he was kind of randomly picked by some random lieutenant to be one of the people who didn't die. So there's a lot of survivor's guilt that kind of plays into that as well as the natural loss of just having, um, you know, lost people that he knew and, and presumably either went through the academy with or at least served with. So it was, to me, like, that was such a powerful story. And and the good thing was that the writers actually gave it the gravitas I think it deserved because what does Picard do? He kind of stands up and walks out of the bar stupefied, um, realizing that, okay, yeah, you know, there's nothing I can really say that um, that can that can fight against that. And I think to me that is Picard um, really being adult and an adult, so to speak, about the situation. Because some people would say, well, Picard couldn't help it because he was assimilated. He wasn't in control of his own actions. The the collective was in control of his own actions. So should he even feel guilty about? Um, the Battle of Wolf 359. And I think Picard standing up and walking out like that acknowledges that even though it may be that he couldn't control his own actions, he still takes responsibility for them. And uh, I just love that. It's one of my favorite scenes in the entire first half of the season. And that's, I think, I think that's where the audience starts to gain some understanding of Shaw at that point. At least yeah, I mean, it was... Like, to me, it was clear before then that there was something going on with this guy that wasn't right. Like, like the, the writers of Star Trek Picard don't write a guy as a dink because they need somebody to be a dink. They write him as a dink because they want his character to go somewhere that gives him some sort of redemption and stuff. So I, I think it's – you're absolutely right. This is the one where it kind of becomes obvious that he's, you know – He's got a soul. He's a human being. <laughs> he's he's seen some things, and uh, they influence the way that he interacts with the world around him. And I I I think that like all good like just to get philosophical for a moment, all good science fiction reflects what's going on in society these days. And to me, Picard season three is hitting on a lot of those themes. And one of those themes that hit on that is hit on by multiple characters is the post traumatic stress theme, right? We have been through this thing. It has affected the way we see the world. It actually affects the way we treat other people and interact with other people, all of the way that he is a jerk to seven, right? Um, but then if we can actually kind of start to turn around and, and, and humanize those people around us, maybe we find out that, that you know it's not as bad as we think and there are people around us who can support us. So, Yeah, that was a powerful scene actually. And that, that's where he, that's where he says that he, he's a, he's a grease monkey and a dipshit from Chicago. And that kind of, you know, stopped. yeah. And the great, I mean, for anybody who g- grew up in like blue collar, you know, 
I don't want to say Midwestern because I think it's like all over the place, but like that, just that sort of environment where you are twisting wrenches, where you are working for a living, where you sweat every single day, you know, spending, pouring your time and effort into machines and stuff. That's why I love so much. Uh, I think it's probably a later episode, but where he, he gets on the creeper and he slides into the machinery and he actually starts fixing stuff like any good grease monkey would. I, I love that about his character. That <laughs> yeah, was his episode. Coming yeah. up next. Episode. That, yeah. That's the next thing. So Riker, at this point, Riker has lost his mojo. Riker is not the Riker that we've all known. And, and he doesn't want to fight. He wants to run away. Picard's saying, dude, dude, fight. And he won't. And so they're on the bridge and they're, they think, you know, Riker's given up. And it's all over. No, and that was Beverly... last episode. Jim, that was last episode. Okay, it was last episode. We're going to talk about that it That was now. last episode. <laughs> Riker, Riker, Beverly says to Riker, you know, why don't we do what we do best? And Riker starts to get that mojo back. And he's like, well, maybe we can open up the pods, charge the warp and funnel it right down. <clears throat> here so that's when they need the dipshit from chicago so they go to shaw and they say hey shaw you know we need you to open up the warp engines so he goes down there with seven and he's on the creeper and he's opening up the warp engines and seven's doing this and doing that and then somebody walks in who walks in charles We think it's George's uh, daughter, but when you're trying to help Shaw, it kind of talks like, well, we can open one of the cells, but if we all open one, then we don't escape, and we get rather suspicious about the scene. And seven takes her and questions her. Oh, who am who who? What do you call me? And her reply was, "Will command hands." Of course, they immediately know she's the change. She's that change, which we have been talking about the changeling who's been trapped around in different bodies. Yep. But then we realize she... we think we've gotten. We think we got the changeling. We think. We think. She kills her. Yes. Shaw's able to do his thing. And, you know, basically, uh, they get rescued, which, which, well, they don't get rescued, but uh, they're almost out of there. And who shows up at the last minute? Vatic. And how does Riker get rid of Vatic, Eric? Uh, well, he throws a big giant rock at her with the tractor beam, which was awesome because <laughs> do the like, sound do effect. Do the sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> you, you do it. You do it, David. But it's just like he's like, did you? Somebody says, did you just throw a big rock? And he's like, you're damn right, I did. <laughs> I love it. Yep. He throws the rock at her, and Vatic's ship is damaged, and she's floating there, and. She does 
something completely that, that I'm still trying to figure this out. I think we're all trying to figure this out. Uh, but she cuts off her hand and her hand forms into this peanut butter head thing. I don't know what to call it. This <laughs> and, a donut know, head. <laughs> a donut head. And it, it commands her to go after them at all costs. You're expendable. Your ship's expendable. Get me Jack. And this floating head, which doesn't have a form. Um, I don't is I don't even know what race this floating head actually is. It's it, um, I can't even begin to guess. It's like nothing I've ever seen. Peanut butter head type of thing. And we're all trying to figure this out. You know, who who is controlling Vatic? Who's pulling the strings? And why is it? Why is she cutting her hand off and it's morphing into this thing? And then it melts back into her hand and goes back onto her body again. And that right there uh, wraps up no win scenario. And that brings us to episode five, imposters. And this, uh, this episode is really interesting because it brings back a character. And who does it bring back, Charles? Oh, this is the one that brings back, uh, oh, Roller, 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 yeah. And, 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 you know, Beverly's down there doing an autopsy on Sidney LaForge's body, which actually is still, uh, still Sidney LaForge's body, which is odd for a changeling. And she asks Sidney to come down and confirm that this isn't her. Sidney promptly throws up. And Beverly says, yup, she's confirmed it. It's not her. And at this <laughs> point, Beverly finds out that not only do the changelings hold form, but their organs, there's organs inside of them, and they can bleed. And that's one of the things that, that always gave them away on Deep Space Nine. So Ro comes aboard the ship. No transporters. She comes aboard on a shuttlecraft. Uh, we still don't know why, but there's got to be a reason. We just don't know it. And so Ro Laren comes in and says, well, let me get this out of the way. And she cut her hand and shows Charles blood. And just as she's doing that, Beverly contacts him. And he says, oh, this is a medical, my medical records, and i got to take this. And, and that's when Beverly tells him they can bleed. And immediately, I know I was, thinking this is, this is not Ro Laren. This is a shapeshifter. Uh, our suspicions are up. Picard's suspicions are up. Um, but, but Eric, what's the deal with Rolaren? You Like, <laughs> you mean in general, like, what, what's her past looking like? I mean, yeah. Like, yeah. So, I mean, so if we, if we go back in time, you know, Rolaren actually kind of was, left in disgrace during the TNG years, having been a collaborator with the Maquis, which I think is one of the character traits that we have for Rolaren. Like, she's got this very strong, independent spirit. Um, she wants to do the right thing, and I think it's the right thing thing that probably brings her back to Starfleet, honestly. Um, she, she eventually does give a story. You're, you're right, Jim. Um, at this point, we're not sure that she's, whether she's a changeling, or not, um, 
I was super happy to see that story resolved uh, in that she's not a changeling because <laughs> I think it was important to bring that character back as that character and not, not somebody who was some other character. But uh, the, the thing that I loved best about her interactions with Picard were that there was this deep emotional connection between the two of him uh, of them Picard having felt betrayed by what Rolaren did and Rolaren having in some ways I think felt betrayed by Picard because he couldn't like really see into the absolute heart of her and see the the kind of like you know willing to do whatever it takes to do the right thing I see there are so many parallels in our society, I think, to these two characters. You know, Picard is more of the um, the person who doesn't want to disrupt the boat but wants to make change. And Rolaren is the person who's willing to go in and burn the place down to start over to make it all, um, you know, the way that she sees it should be right. So anyway, I love that that part of her. She comes back in this one. She makes that deep emotional connection with Picard, and that's what proves that she's not a changeling. And um, and then uh, is it this episode when she does the self sacrifice? Is that or is that yeah. The next one? Yeah. Okay. yeah? So it was one episode. So then, yeah. So yep, then I'll just mention. Yeah. So then she gets. You know, she's on this shuttle. She gets caught in a thing where she can't really where she can't like totally control it but she can kind of control where it goes or something uh i don't remember exactly what the the things were but the important part of it is is that she sacrifices herself to do good to the cause which i think is exactly how Rolaren would have wanted to go out right she was from day one she was willing to <laughs> sacrifice herself for what she believed in and the last thing I'll say about it, Jim, I don't want to talk too long about it, but like the whole earring thing and giving the earring to Riker and Riker being the one who figured out that the earring was more than just an earring, that to me was brilliant because Picard was so caught up in the emotion of the moment that all he could see was some kind of like philosophical meaning to the earring. Remember, he notices that she's not wearing it. Well, Riker's like, well, dang something's weird here. There's probably a really good reason. Let's plug it into a computer and find out what's happening. So <laughs> I really like that about this episode too. Yeah. And when her shuttle, when her shuttle is um, confiscated and, and booby trapped by her security guards who are changeling, they beam over to the Titan. And then we see what happens when they transport, which is why they want to use shuttles. And that is when they transport, they can't hold their form, and they revert back to a a, a, um, a jelly type gelatinous like state. I believe it's called. Yeah. And then oh, they, I, I they, never knew that. I, I was wondering why they never used transporters. Yeah, they can't. They yeah, can't when, hold their form. These new ones can't hold their form. Like Odo can transport, but uh, you can't. These new ones can't transport. They can't. They they turn back into jello, and then they have to re-reform back into whatever form they were in. They beam back to the Titan. I mean, and Ro t- takes her shuttle and sacrifices herself to save them because the Titan has been compromised, and she knows it, and she wants to save them. So she flies into the warp engine, and uh, we have another outbreak with Jack. The shapeshifters are looking for Jack. There's now four of them on the ship. 
there were two more that we that we weren't aware of that were on. There might be more. We don't know. But there's two more on the tight end and the two that beam over. So there's four of them. They come after him. And Jack goes into this Soji-type outrage and kills all four of them in, like, a, a matter of seconds. Like, wham, bam, boom, bam, boom, they're dead. And, the, yeah. and at this point, you know, Shaw realizes they have a problem. They all realize they have a problem. They need to run away, and they need to get to safety and go to someone they can trust. And uh, boom, they take off. End of episode. Wraps up season, uh, the mid-season of it, the first five episodes, the end. All right, guys, so what, what do you think about the first five episodes so far? What are you feeling about it? Let's start off with you, David. Five episodes in. We're halfway through the season. What? What are your feelings? What do you think? Well, I want to make something uh, point really quick before I forget about the whole changeling beaming thing, because when the changeling beamed from the shuttle to the Titan, they did go, go into a goo thing and then they trained to the officers. However, when they found Jack, they alerted the other changelings and the other changelings beamed into the vicinity, but they never changed which I thought was a mistake on uh, the writing part because apparently they just stayed as they were. And we didn't know they were changelings, of course, but until later we find out that they were. But somehow they didn't change into the goo like uh, apparently they're supposed to. So I don't know. <laughs> Maybe some uh, evolved faster than the others. I don't know. But, yeah, I was just thinking about that entire situation where they beamed in front of Jack. And... um they were then that's when they all died. So interesting to think that uh, maybe they don't turn to goo. I don't know. But um, so as far as the first five episodes, uh, this this series definitely has been really keeping me on the edge of my seat. Uh, I really enjoy it. It's probably one of my favorite Star Trek series so far. Just season three only. <laughs> but. Um, yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying it. I can't wait to see what the next episode's like. And if we ever do a recap again for the next five episodes of five through ten, you know, there's a lot to talk about there too. So, well, six through ten. But um, either way, I, it's definitely one of my favorites. Um, I even gave one of the episodes. I believe last one was uh, the one previous week was a golden ten. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to the next. So, yeah, I guess I'll pass it on to someone else. What about you, Charles? Episode one through five. What are your feelings on it so far? Where do you think it's going, and are you happy with what you've seen so far? Well, it's it's been a big mystery. We've seen and there's a lot of theories. We've seen all about things that's happened to Jack. I know at least we've had belief that he might be changeling. We've had belief that he's infected. He's partially infected with uh, Picard's syndrome. I've heard connection to him in the pirate and on Galdacott. It's like there are so many different things. I've tied me in with androids. 
because John similar actions that OG did in the early Picard episode. So that's that's a lot of interest because people don't know they've they've left it hanging in such a big mystery. We just don't know what the answer is. And, and I think that's what made the series much better because we don't know what's going on. We've had a great mystery going on between Worf and Roth and the adventure they've had to go through. So it's been, they've just, as David said, they've left us on our feet, kind of not knowing what's going to go next. And I think that's what's made the series good this season. But it's also the fact that we've gotten a lot of the classic characters. We've gotten a lot of people coming in. We've seen from TNG that we may see from PS9. We wonder if we see anything more. We see from Wager. So we get a lot of class there. I think that's some of what the fans have been wanting. Is they want this stuff brought back. They also have a great storyline. I hear so many people saying, we got three more episodes. How can they tie this story up? And yet I hear a comment of those of the YouTuber out there who has seen all ten episodes. And he says, they're going to tie it up real nicely. Which they've done in the past. They've been able to tie the series up completely in ten episodes. And we really think they probably will. But it's getting people on the edge worrying about the kink. And that's, I think, what's got people interested. Well, Eric, same question for you. What do you think? Are you happy with what you've seen in the first five episodes? Are you happy with the direction that it's going? And what do you think we're going to see in the next five? Yeah, I mean, I think generally speaking, I really started this season pretty, pretty feeling pretty strong about it. Um, I will say that in the first half of the season, I think Vatic is actually one of the weak points. She, until you kind of know where she's going now that we're one or two episodes into the second half of the season, um, she seems just kind of like a a relatively two dimensional mustache twirling villain, you know. Um, like there's a little bit of intrigue there, especially once she cuts her hand off and you kind of realize that she's beholden to some other entity. Um, but when we talk about, you know, the first half of the second, uh, the first part of the second half of the season is what I'm trying to say. Um, that's when she gets really, really juicy. So uh, tune in on Thursday to hear about that. Um, right from the beginning, I definitely was thinking red eyes, paw rays. I still think that. Um, so I think there's going to be a connection. There's, um, you know, 
uh, in the first half of the season, we don't get much more than the red eyes, so we don't really know where the Jack Crusher thing is headed. Um, so that's very intriguing, I think. Riker is amazing right from the beginning, and I like Picard much more in season three than I did in season two. He just feels more natural to me. He's in a more natural position amongst his crew, you know, issuing directions and ideas and things that they should be doing. Um, Worf and Rafi is amazing. Uh, I was very interested in Vatic's crew in the first half of the season and trying to figure out what was going on with the the clicking language and the, the kind of funky, almost like Star Trek II-esque uniforms that they're wearing with, like, the face masks and stuff. Um, That still hasn't been resolved, so I'm pretty excited to hear uh, what that's all about. I also think that soundtrack-wise, we've talked about the music, but I do think it's interesting that the Shrike makes that really weird, very deep, low, uh, V'ger-type sound every time it shows up on screen. Um, At first, I thought that maybe they were just doing that with the soundtrack, but now I almost wonder if it really is supposed to somehow make that sound, although you'll remember that there's no sound in space. But we, we forget that in Star Trek. Forget, forget I said that. <laughs> so I'm just super glad they're doing something with Rafi. I'm really excited about uh, what they were doing with the, all the characters in that first half. So yeah, very strong first half of the season to me. I would absolutely rate the first half of the season uh, at least a nine, if not better. Um, it came out of the gate... Uh, as strong as Strange New Worlds and has actually maintained its strength longer than Strange New Worlds did. I think Strange New Worlds had more ups and downs in that first season, although the first season was incredibly strong. Picard has been even stronger, I would say. And I got to say that I, I agree with everything that you guys have said. Um, I am. There are a couple of things, though, that I don't know if you want to call them negatives, but a, a couple of things I think, um, you know, here we are on the fifth episode, We've yet to, we haven't met Jordy yet. We haven't met Deanna Troy yet. We, we've, we've seen Riker talking to her, but we haven't actually seen her character. But there's, show uh, up but there's yet. so much that has happened in the first five episodes. Like, Jim, you can't, like, you can't shove the fire hose down people's throats and expect them to drink from episode one. That's why I didn't have a problem with that. I mean, yeah, we haven't seen no, them yet, I'm, but golly gee, saying, what have we I'm, seen? I'm just pointing out that we haven't seen Troy and we haven't seen Jordy. I'm just I'm just pointing that out. We haven't seen those two characters yet. Um, maybe we'll see them next week, uh, but we haven't seen them yet. So uh, we're halfway through the season, five episodes down. We've yet to see two characters. So there was that. I also think that they can be a little heavy-handed with the nostalgia. Um, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? It's just a point that I wanted to make. Um, they can be heavy with the nostalgia. But other than that... So I think they're, I think they're focusing on the fans. <clears throat> yep. Fans wanted I'm, more... more fa- they wanted more connections to <clears throat> classic Trek. And that's yep. what they're getting. Yep. That's and you know and that's fine, but I'm just I'm just making the point. Just like like Eric just said, you know, I'm just saying that we haven't seen Jory, we haven't seen Troy, and I I think that nostalgia-wise, they're a little bit heavy-handed with it. That's just a point I want to make. That's all. But overall, I'm loving it. Every minute of it. I think it's great. I think it's strong. It came out strong and it remains strong. And that's that's rare. 
first Star Trek series. A lot of times, you guys remember Picard season two came out really strong, and then what happened? People didn't like it. So, um, but this one, season three has maintained that right straight through. Here we are on episode five, and it's still a 9.2 by the fans. That's, that's, I don't know if we'll ever see that again. I don't think if any Star Trek episode series that comes out, if we will see a 9.2 average for the first five episodes. Well, you know, Jim, if, if they're going to do it, um, I feel like they could do it by using some of these new characters that they're, they're developing. Like uh, one of the strongest things about Picard is that we're developing characters like Jack Crusher and we're developing characters like Sidney LaForge and, you know, characters that we could potentially see in a future series. And I think that would be super smart if they did that, right? Make us fall in love with these characters now and then use them in the future. That's just going to bring people right along, which is exactly what they're doing with TNG and Picard right now. And that's what they did with, that's exactly what they did on Discovery with Pike. And Prodigy. Hello. You know, so, you know, that's, you know, maybe we're going to see that. But the certain percentage of nostalgia that's totally acceptable. And I don't know what it is uh, to Jim. It's probably, you know, 50% or less to some other people. It might be 50% or more. I don't know. But there, there's yeah. absolutely, at this point, a certain percentage of nostalgia that plays into Star Trek that I think is necessary for a success. It, it, it's, it's, I guess it's a personal thing. Some people don't like lower decks because they feel that it's too, there's too many yeah. references. There's too much. Um, it, it, I, it's different for everybody. Um, I don't mind nostalgia if it if it moves the story along, or like in the case of Lower Decks when they mention uh, you know uh, uh, Captain So and So, and we all know that that's the lady that spilled the hot chocolate on Captain Picard. Sonia Gomez. Yeah, Captain Gomez type of thing, and that's just there for people like us to catch. Really, no bearing on the story, but it's just a fun little fact for people like us that know who she is. Um, but We'll see how it ends. We'll see how they wrap it up. I am a bit concerned with the pacing. Uh, like Charles uh, said, there's people that have seen the ending of it. Um, we've actually, we're, next week, we're going to talk about Episode 7, Dominion. Um, episode 8 will actually air on Thursday, but we'll be talking about Episode 7. I am a bit concerned about the pacing, and I, I hope we don't get to the end and it's like, wham, bam, boom, bam, overdone. Um, I hope that doesn't happen but at any rate i'm loving it and um i think everybody else is too so at this point guys i want to wrap everything up i want to say thank you to eric for hanging out and trek talking with us tonight thank you eric all right i want to say thank you so much to charles for hanging out and trek talking with us tonight thank you charles thank you always mind talking about what's going on with star trek star trek picard I also want to say thank you to David, even though he didn't bring the donuts, for hanging out and Trek talking with us tonight. Thank you so much, David, for hanging out with us. You're welcome. Yeah, it's fun. My donuts are uh, going to be here probably Thursday, so it's Thursday. Oh, Thursday you'll have the donuts. Excellent. And remember, <laughs> tune in Thursday night, same bat time, same bat channel. We're going to be talking about Star Trek Picard, Episode 7, Dominion. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll have our regular our regular list of co-hosts with us, and we're going to have a lot of fun. We'll have our Star Trek birthdays, we'll have our fan shout-outs, and our discussion about Dominion. So as usual, guys, I want to say, please, 
stay safe, and be good to each other. Star Trek fans are the best fans. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Night. Live long and prosper. Let's see what's out there. Engage. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.